Dear listeners, just a quick note before we get started, we now have a Patreon page. If you've been enjoying these episodes and would like to show your support, please visit patreon.com slash Sarah Henlicky Wilson to support the show. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, hello there. This is father of the theologian, Paul R. Henlicky. And on a bonus episode today, we're talking to the theologian, Sarah, who has put out a memorizing edition of Martin Luther's small catechism. And in a moment, I'm going to ask her to explain what inspired this uh, new or fresh translation into idiomatic American English uh, for the purposes of memorization. Uh, But I thought first I'd just say a couple of words about my own life experience with the small catechism. Uh, I was still in the generation in the mid to late 1960s, where as 12 and 13-year-olds, we had two years of Saturday morning catechism class for an hour and a half or two hours every Saturday morning. It's unbelievable to me now as I look back at that. And of course, we learned a lot about the Bible and so forth. But chiefly, what I remember from those two years is how in those days, my father was the pastor, but we had classes of 30, 40 kids uh, in the church every Saturday morning, uh, divided into two sections. And we memorized, uh, in the 1960s, 13 and 14-year-olds, we memorized all six parts of Martin Luther's small catechism. And that commitment to memory has stayed with me to the present day as I discovered that it had in those my age and older and when I became a pastor. And that's the second thing I want to mention. When I was a pastor, how often I would visit people sick or infirm or in the hospital or shut in, especially my age and older. And when it came to a difficult point, I could just simply start reciting the catechism, and so often these folks could join right in with me in one of my congregations in the German language in which they had memorized it. So I think there's something much to be said here about the catechetical training of the young. Uh, That's a method of evangelization that is promulgated in the biblical book of Deuteronomy. Martin Luther cites the precedent of the book of Deuteronomy as he introduces his versions of the catechism. Uh, It's a kind of pedagogy that's age-appropriate. Children at that age may be younger than we were, but like to memorize, love to memorize, and to have this scripture and this basic instruction in the Christian faith inscribed upon the memory cells of the brain, or as we used to say colloquially, inscribed upon the heart, I think is a wonderful thing. That's how we evangelize the young generation. All right, Sarah, so I've said my little preface there. Why did you take it upon yourself to make a fresh translation of the catechism into idiomatic American English? 
<laughs> well, don't overstress the idiomatic part. It's not that idiomatic. Not like the Sermon on the Mount. That That is pretty idiomatic. I'll grant you that. Well, the origin of this was about four years ago in 2016. Um, Andrew, my husband, and I and our son Zeke were in the process of moving back to the U.S. after almost eight years in France. And we took a few months off just to kind of a uh, decompress and prepare ourselves for uh, repatriating during an election year. <laughs> and um, so we went for a long, a long uh, hike. And during this time, it was during the school year. So we took our son out of school and did what we called trail schooling instead of homeschooling. And since we finally had the freedom to um, uh, run our son's curriculum as we saw fit, we included a religion segment as part of that. And we discovered that a really nice way to do it was to have a little catechism along. And actually, all three of us, not just him, as we walked, worked day by day on memorizing the catechism together. And that was quite nice also because we were walking and the bodily rhythm of walking uh, really helps, as you said, inscribe the words onto your heart and your brain. But we, you know, we just had, I don't even know who the translator is or what the edition is of the catechism, something from the past. 20, 30 years, I suppose. And um, what we found is that there were lots of little places we got tripped up, not because like the the quality or content of the translation was bad. It was quite accurate from the German. Um, but in terms of something that you would recite and whose sound and rhythm would help you keep track of where you were, it it obviously just wasn't translated for that purpose at all. One really simple example is, um, again, coming right from Luther as a prose stylist, because, you know, he didn't know he was creating something to be memorized. He will switch back and forth between saying our father in heaven or our heavenly father. And we just wasted an enormous amount of time on, you know, in, in this petition, is it our heavenly father, or our father in heaven? You know, we were trying to be precise. And that is what actually first put the idea in, in my mind of, you know, it would be nice if we had one where these little inconsistencies, which are nice for reading prose, but not good for reciting, you know, poetry or a, a memorized text, if we could just smooth all of those out, and maybe that would actually serve the cause of memorization. I see. So you were really focused on the oral performance of the catechism. Very much so. I mean, you know, I, I actually did memorize the catechism. I think you had me memorize some edition when I was seven. And actually, I, I've never been able to figure out what translation that was, but it often interferes with my attempts to memorize a more modern version because <laughs> suddenly all of a phrase swim up. But though that's testimony to how deep memorization goes, that something I you know didn't work on since I was seven would still come back to me. Um, and then I did again in confirmation as well. I have asked around, and what I've discovered in my own very unscientific and informal survey is that there are a lot of pastors who would like to reintroduce memory but uh, they either don't get a lot of support from parents or kids because memorization is simply not valued anymore, which you and I both agree is a big mistake. But also, I think that there just isn't, a, there hasn't been a good addition, again, both, both for the eye and for the ear that's really oriented towards memorizing and not, you know, a, a very precise or, 
I don't know, politically correct or whatever translation for other purposes. A lot of editions of the small catechism also are trying to be a good value, I suppose. So they're stuffed with, you know, like two different translations of the Lord's Prayer, for instance, and then they'll have like supporting Bible verses, and then they'll have extra commentary. And, you know, they're obviously trying to package a, a product. But it clutters everything up. It clutters everything up. So the the one that I've produced, so they're kind of, I was trying to think, how is this more useful to both the ear and the eye? So for the ear, that was trying to, again, reduce these inconsistencies. So it consistently says our Heavenly Father and never says our Father in Heaven. But there were other places that I began to realize that, um, and anyone who spends time with the small catechism will know this, it's a very hyperlinked text inside of itself. And even if the exact wording isn't there, though often it is, um, there's clearly Luther is echoing previous parts. So to give one of the, I think, most helpful examples, in the first article of the Creed, Luther lists off all the things that God gives and maintains, my body and soul, ears, eyes, and limbs, reason and senses, along with clothes and shoes, food and drink, house and home, spouse and child, land creatures and every good. That's my translation. Well, when you get to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, The list is really close, but it's not identical. And that was another place where we just wasted a lot of time, like, oh, which is it in this this particular list? So because the differences between them are not meaningful theologically, I have simply made them identical to each other. Uh So if you already have the first article of the creed, you will have no trouble picking up the fourth petition. And there were lots of opportunities like that, you know, usually shorter phrases and so forth. I also, when possible, used a little bit of alliteration, um, more rarely rhyme, but things, and I just tried to pick up, you know, so that the rhythm of the English sounds good. It's easy to kind of get that like walking beat that I experienced Uh when we did it four years ago. Very good. It sounds to me like then something like this could be used not merely for catechetical instruction and memorization, but also perhaps liturgically. Oh, yeah. Gee, gee, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, I think that would be really good because, uh, again, it was written, it was composed, let me say, and retranslated to sound well and fluid and and bring you into it. So yeah, I suppose, um, you know, I've done the, the Ten Commandments um, and their explanations during Lent as part of the confession. That would be a, a place right. to try it. But uh, yeah, any of, any of them, I suppose, could as well, or if there's um, baptismal instruction or a baptism, those parts right. could be used. And the confession part is included as well. And then in terms of like the physical layout, it is a a very um, plain book. There's nothing extraneous other than, you know, the the copyright page and, um, you know, the little, you know, more by this author on the last page. But otherwise, um, it's also laid out in such a way that there's a lot of white space. Each unit that you would memorize is slightly separated from the other, either by an indent or by an extra line between them, so that as your eye is transmitting it to your brain, you can take it chunk by chunk and and break it down into more logical units. We don't memorize word by word. We actually memorize phrase by phrase. And so right. it's it's visually oriented to help that. And then so for instance in the in the commandments you'll see that you know where it's identical, you know, the first commandments, you shall not. What does this mean? You know, it's visually identical on each page. It's in the same location on each page. So that really reinforces is for you visually the what you're trying to memorize yes very good 
Right. Did you consult uh, Luther's German in this? Yeah. In fact, what I decided I needed to do was just translate from scratch. So I just went to the 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 Ekade, the Evangelical Church in Germany, uh, which means Protestant, mostly Lutheran. Um, they have their standardized modern German of Luther's uh-huh. original German. So I worked from that and I just I just translated directly out of it. It's it's very I mean if you know German it's very accessible German. And there were a couple of places where I saw there was a little bit of um uh, again alliteration or rhyme. He obviously again wasn't writing it for the ear or for memorization, but just seeing enough of that made me say, okay, you know, this is he wants this to serve a pedagogical tool. So even when I make slight, there are some slight changes to the translation in order to pick up on these recurring themes, but none of them are saying something that he doesn't or omitting something that he does, but trying to pick mm-hmm. up and repeat on his own language and patterns to help drive the point home. It's interesting. I know that in Reformation Wittenberg, Wittenberg uh, during Luther's time, the town church on Tuesdays and Thursdays, if my memory is correct, had catechetical services. That's, you know, and I don't know liturgically what that was like or anything. I just know for a fact that there were special services during the weekday for the purposes of catechesis. It would be interesting to investigate that and see how the catechisms, Luther's catechisms, were actually used liturgically. Yeah, I think because of just they had a very different work week and different stations in life, they were able to tailor the whole the whole week's programming at church basically to, you know, today it's for servants and today it's for children and young people and today it's the epistle, tomorrow it's the Old Testament lesson. You know, they they could cover a lot more and of course they had a lot less to compete with than we do now. Right, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that this is just a a, a real practical step in the right direction. Historically speaking, the American Lutheran churches abandoned the rather rigorous catechetical preparation of of their tradition in the 1960s when the pedagogy was felt to be deadening and boring and losing the youth by definition and so forth and so on. I would argue 40 years later that it's the lack of catechesis that has lost uh, so much of that generation and those following to the church. Of course, there's more to the story than that, but the original insight is that catechesis is the generational method of evangelism. This is how you evangelize the new generation, when they're children and still eager to learn, eager to please, and ready to have their hearts and minds formed in a positive way. So I think that what you're doing here, Sarah, can be potentially very beneficial for lots of folks. I really hope so. And, you know, my principle is always in things like this, if you get rid of something, you're not actually getting rid of the the place it occupies. You're only getting rid of the thing in it, like the Jesus parable of the casting out one demon, but seven come to take its place. So I would say, if you don't think memorization is a profitable exercise in church, just be sure that your people are going to memorize something else instead. 
and it may be lyrics to songs that are degrading to women, for example. That's probably pretty likely. So put something else into their brains and hearts to occupy that space because they are surely memorizing one way or another. And I just just like to add, uh, by the way, though, we normally don't talk about prices here. Um, The paperback copy of this is set at $5. I got it as low as I possibly could without paying other people to buy it from me. So I I wanted it to be something that could be easily bought in bulk. Uh, You can get it on Amazon for $5 a copy, or you can just download the PDF directly from thornbushpress.com. But if you want a print copy, they're super cheap to get. You can easily get them for your kids, your catechism class. Um, An acquaintance of ours has even said he's thinking about encouraging his entire congregation of all ages to memorize the catechism, which is great. This should not just be for 13 or 14 year olds. And I bet they would be more likely to do it anyway if they saw other people of other ages committing themselves to the same thing. And how easy that would be if you incorporated it and used it liturgically in the many ways we talked previously. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that would be really great. Nothing like hearing a whole bunch of people. I and mean, that's why everyone passively gets the creed in the Lord's Prayer eventually, just because you hear it so many times. Well, Sarah, this is a wonderful project, and I ho- wish you well on it, and I wish our listeners would take up the offer. All right, great. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Sarah.